Hello there, welcome to episode 81 of Nevermind the Bullens, it's your bite-sized Everton podcast and vodcast. Uh, I'm Mike Peters. I promise you a shorter episode uh, this week than we had last week. It was a bit of a double-length extravaganza, but then there was quite a lot to unpack uh, from the uh, from the Brighton game. Um, and uh, the consternation, the sort of the re- recrimination, the acrimony uh, continues um, in spite of uh, winning at Hull uh, in the in the third round of the Cup. Uh, we'll uh, discuss the game in just a minute. Um, uh, but obviously a lot of stuff happening off the pitch. Uh, firstly, uh, Graham Sharp being appointed to the board of directors. Um, quite a shrewd move, in my opinion, from a political standpoint. Um, I think it might sort of quell some of the um, more uh, rancorous uh, elements of the of the fan base in terms of who've been uh, sc- screaming for sort of uh, fan representation on the board. I think Graham Sharp is is a link to that. Um, I don't think there's any chance of ever having a fan elected representative on the board. I know there's certain fan groups that want that, but that's just simply not going to happen. How how on earth could you manage to elect a fan that would be, you know, um, that would be able to try and sort of corral the whole you know, gamuts of opinions of Evertonians on a of plethora of issues, um, you know, to and how you can begin to have a sort of any sort of a democratic process to elect somebody to the board. How long would they stand for all this? It, it's, I think, having Graham Sharp on there is about the best that we're going to get in terms of understanding the, 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 the fan base, understanding our, um, upset about certain things uh, understanding our frustrations understanding our wants and desires although you know the board should understand that anyway there's enough uh, people who've been around the club for long enough on the board who should be able to understand that but if he helps to uh, amplify those uh, uh, sort of those feelings then to me absolutely it's a good thing no question about it um obviously Nathan Patterson uh, that deal confirmed which is terrific um the Luca Dean uh, transfer out seems um you know, as if it's going to happen imminently to go to Aston Villa. Uh, apparently, I hear from uh, you know that he's going to be on a significant wadge of money, Fia Walcott money, in actual fact, down at Villa. Um, I think it's a great shame that he's gone in the way that it's that it's happened. Um, I don't think he's played particularly well this season. I think any of us that, that has watched him has um, can absolutely sort of attest to that. But if we can get. 20 to 25 million, I've said before on this podcast, for a 29-year-old, 28, 29-year-old, when we've just signed um, a 22-year-old for less than that, um, then it's good business. And if he's not what the manager wants, um, he's not, you know, obviously there's there's, there's a personality clash there, um, then... You know, so be it. Unfortunately, it has to happen. It's the way of it's the way of football. Uh, I think it's disappointing um, that he's that he's gone uh, or that he is going. Uh, by the time you listen to this, he may well have gone, and the deal may well, well may well have been confirmed at Aston Villa. But there you go. Um, it's a shame. Uh, he's been an excellent player for us for the last three years this season, notwithstanding. Um, but. You know, it's it's just unfortunately a, 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 a reflection of the the state of the club and um, and the sort of the what the manager expects from his players in terms of just to basically get on with it and shut up and don't say anything seems to be the you know what we've heard about him uh, at other clubs as well uh, and that seems to be being borne out again uh, with this Luca Dean situation so Luca Dean you know leaves with our best wishes and given that we're playing Villa uh, I apologise my my, my jumper is flaring quite spectacularly if you're watching the vodcast it's amazing it's like I'm wearing like a, a rave in the, in the 80s um, but if Luca Dean um, his potentially his debut 
could be uh, back at Goodison on the 22nd. Uh, certainly, at the very least, it could be his second game, um, and I'm sure he will get a terrific reception uh, when he when he does return to Goodison, if indeed that is in a couple of weeks' time. Um, on to the whole game, and, uh, you know, I <laughs> we went into it feeling more than a bit nervous. Uh, massive potential banana skin, despite Hull's difficulties in the, the championship. Obviously, they're in a, a pretty good state at the minute, in so much as uh, a good positive frame of mind with a, a new owner coming in, the Turkish Simon Cowell, the words of my top content colleague Dan Morfitt, not mine, uh, who apparently announced that he was taking over uh, Hull City uh, on the Turkish um, version of The Voice, which is excellent. Um, but uh, w- what baffled me after the Brighton game, particularly, and the and the you know the, the serious sort of um, anger from the fans about the way that we'd set up was to set up in basically the same way when you had a system that clearly didn't work. It was demonstrated after forty five minutes of Brighton, and it didn't work. Five at the back, even though obviously uh, Mikalenko played. Not really sure you can judge much from uh, that uh, from, from his performance. Although I wasn't terribly impressed with him sort of jumping for the goal, uh, the first whole goal I should say, and managing to get lower than he was when he was stood up bizarre as that ball came in but that again uh, how many times now this season have we seen you know goals like that conceded it's just I, I mean you could see Rafael Benitez's frustration on the touchline with the way they're defending but what are they doing on the training ground to stop that happening the ball was a decent cross but it sailed over about three Everton heads it wasn't like a, a cross that sort of dropped out of the sky on somebody's bonds but it sort of tries to fly past everybody so how can we not defend the front post you know, we can't seem to defend the back post either. Uh, we've seen that, you know, against Crystal Palace, we've seen it against Brighton, but we can't defend. I, I just we can't seem to defend our penalty area at all. Um, from you know, from from a dead ball, it's like there's some sort of glitch in in their heads that when the, uh, you know a cross comes in from a wide position, from a from a set piece, from a free kick or a corner, that we sort of just completely panic and we can't do anything about it it's just absolutely bizarre and how long is this because this is happening so many times now it's almost every week that we have to concede the first goal to kind of wake ourselves up to then go and try and win the game and it's like you start you you you, you know it's, it's like tying your bootlaces before you go out onto the pitch and then waiting and then oh actually no I'll untie them now time to the right feet you know it just it just baffles me um, and, you know, this master tactician that we supposedly got in charge, why is he not doing anything about it? And Hull could legitimately have been three goals up before we somehow got ourselves back into it. Brilliant goal from Damari Gray, who's, who was outstanding on the night, as was Anthony Gordon again. I didn't give him any praise after the Brighton game I should have done, uh, but it's terrific to see him really kicking on and essentially making him a, a first-team uh, regular. Now, he, he, you know, he has to be one of the first names on the team sheet on, on current form. He, he gives us so much, uh, and he's really developing you know his his confidence in terms of his shooting ability, in terms of creative ability, and just giving defenders something to worry about, driving it at, at fullbacks and uh, you know centre halves. It's it's terrific to see. Um, but again, setting up with this five at the back and a midfield two, and Alan and Andre Gomez. I mean, it, it, you know, you might as well have Charity to fire playing watching those two. You know, as much as I like them. Watching them in real time, they're the slowest thing in the world. So why does he think that we, every game we get overrun with two in the middle when it's like that? So why is he persisting with it? I, I just it absolutely baffles me. Um, I, I don't understand it at all. Um, once we got ourselves 
into the league. Great to see Andre Gomez getting a goal as well, I should I should say, and, and coming up and, you know, um, Holder seemed to completely back off and defended dreadfully. Um, it was so narrow. The game was absolutely enormous amount of space down the flanks. I mean, you know, John Joe Kenny with his second assist in as many games. That if that's not an indication of you know statistics being able to be twisted in any way, shape, or form, I don't know what is because it's just clearly not good enough. Um, and once Nathan Patterson is fit, I have no doubt that he will be um, uh, one of the first names on the on the team sheet. Um, lovely goal from Hull. Um, they we started the second half quite well. We were starting to play some good stuff. We ended the first half obviously the stronger, and then eased off and let ourselves back into it. Just started to panic and went deeper and deeper. And then again we're relying on Andros Townsend to pull one out of the bag. And fair play to him, you know he's exactly the type of commitment that we want from Everton players in terms of the fact that he broke his foot against Crystal Palace three weeks later. Barely he's desperate to get back on the pitch he said that in his in his post-match interview and that's great and you know we, we as fans really appreciate that commitment to the cause we had players in the past who you know could have got themselves fit and got themselves on the pitch at certain crucial points in the past and haven't um, Thomas Radzinski I'm looking at you and other players that have committed themselves and ended up ultimately costing themselves their careers by playing when they were clearly in no way fit to play um Joe Parkinson, I'm looking at you there, my the the, the pie man. Um, but you know, when we were looking at it on Saturday, going well, you know, 120 minutes and we've got through Brentford in the next round and we sort of squeaked through. Um, the banners, obviously, you could see the banners. Um, I've seen some ridiculous Twitter spat about, uh, you know, oh, he was signing a Liverpool shirt outside the ground from the, when they won in Istanbul. Doesn't matter. It's ephemera. If that's the you know a, a stick to beat him with, then. Well, that, that we've there's far bigger issues, far bigger sticks to beat Ravel Benitez with than that. Don't give a toss if he signs a Liverpool shirt for a Liverpool supporter, um, you know, for a game where he was in charge of Liverpool. It doesn't make any difference as far as I'm concerned. He can do that to his heart's content. It might be being auctioned for charity, in which case he's doing some good, and we know he does a lot of charitable works. Um, but you know, obviously, we saw the banner got you know a, a nice a bit of screen time on BBC One. Um, but, you know, it'll keep the Wolves at bay for now. Um, obviously, we're thinking, well, 120 minutes with Leicester coming up. Well, at that point, coming up on Tuesday night, um, we're thinking that's not going to help us. Uh, a game that we probably should have been able to see out in, in normal time. Damari Gray looked absolutely spent. But obviously, now we've got a, a few extra days, um, you know, rest with the uh, Leicester game being postponed again. Um, you know, so it's, which is a bit of a, I don't quite, obviously the rule, people sort of going, well, why, why were they able to play in the league cup and the FA cup, but not the league matches? The rules I think are different for FA cup matches. I think you had to get a team out come what may. Derby had to do it last year where they basically had a bunch of kids playing because they had no players available. Um, and Leicester managed to, had to get a team out. But I think the Premier League rules state, you have to have 13 players available. Um, including uh, any youth team players that have, or youngsters that have played in the first team this season, which they haven't had. So that's why the game has been called off again. Uh, allows us to get potentially another body or two in. Again, the Sean Longstaff, um, you know, uh, rumours are continue to uh, be uh, sort of knocking around the internet uh, and, and allow us to get some players in. So we move on to Norwich next Saturday. Obviously, uh, Dean Smith's got them playing uh, better than uh, you know they were under Daniel Farker, um, but certainly 
it's a game we really need to get to try and get three points out of, particularly with you know with the fact that we're being drawn into this um, scrap at the bottom. Even though we've got games in hand, you're just thinking, well, those games in hand are all very well, but you can't see us winning any of them. Um, at this point, the way we were playing in the league and the goals we're conceding. Um, so, you know, it, it is a little bit of a six-pointer for us. I'd, I'd, I'd put the as a small six-pointer, not a, you know, <laughs> screaming capitals kind of six-pointer. But it's absolutely a game that we need to we need to go and win, if at all possible. At the very least, get a point out of. Um, Norwich, I think, are doomed to their fate. Uh, they're going to find it very, very difficult to, to stay. But it's going to take an absolute miracle, as much as I think Dean Smith did an excellent job at Villa. Um, he's going to find it hard. But, you know, we, we've got to try and try and dig something out of the bag and potentially playing away from home less pleasure less rancor from the from the home supporters um a less febrile atmosphere might actually help us but then when we were away at crystal palace the atmosphere from the away fans was pretty awful um particularly given the substitution so but then at chelsea it was excellent so it's it swings and roundabouts but i know without question given the amount of fans that travel to hull on saturday that the fans will sorry the supporters will always get behind the team um, and they have to because uh, the, we need we need ourselves to be our 12th man at the minute to try and eke out some results and get us uh, climbing the table and try and get this season back on track um, in some semblance uh, that it can be obviously there is the option of the FA Cup you know the league season's out the out the window now but trying to get ourselves into Europe via the FA Cup would be our best route so Brentford at home not the easiest draw but I think Brentford have got bigger fish to fry um, in terms of staying in the Premier League um, so we shall see what type of team they put out when that game takes place on that weekend of um, the uh, the 5th of February, uh, whether it's a Saturday or not, who knows. I mean, one of the games is going to have to move because Liverpool are at home on the same weekend to Cardiff, so we could end up playing on the Sunday, depending on the TV schedules. Uh, we shall see. Uh, but obviously, uh, another interesting week in prospect ahead of the uh, game at Norwich, and uh, we shall see what ins and outs there are. Uh, as ever, if you want to get in touch at NMTV Pod uh, on the uh, Twitter nmtvpod at gmail.com on the email or leave me a message uh, via the uh, little voice note via the um, uh, dis- in the description of the podcast uh, this has been a top content production and until next time come on you blues you blues